Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And if you're a parent of a sensitive child dealing with big giant meltdowns related to their huge imagination, today we're gonna speak all about how to support your sensitive child in mitigating the negative effects of having a very thorough imagination when you don't have skills to manage big emotions. That can be, it can feel like for you as a parent, like a recipe for disaster. So let's talk all about symptoms of anxiety, frustration, aggravation that can add to the meltdown cycle today. And if you're parenting a sensitive kid whose meltdowns are daily, multiple times a day, or even multiple times a week beyond age two, then you definitely wanna make sure that you listen to today's show because the the challenges that we see consistently for parents in in this is quite patterned, It's, it's very common. And uh, it can be difficult to pin out uh, to 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 pinpoint what are your child's strengths when you notice that imagination, and then how to foster those strengths if you also see that your kiddo's mind can go a mile a minute, and uh, can can create lots of scary stories for themselves uh, that can contribute to their own frustrations, their worries, and uh, lead to meltdowns if if they're going straight to worst case scenario situations in their head, right? So for you as a parent, let's let's break this down. Now, this is true for, for children who are young, you know, early elementary age or, or uh, middle schoolers, even high schoolers can go straight to the worst case scenario. So I wanna speak about this. Um, and we, we can know some adults who can be quite Debbie Downers and they're just always pinpointing what's not working in the world and uh, what's not working about their own life's circumstances. And so you know that you, as a parent, it's your job to help your child see that everything's working out well for them, that they can solve problems creatively, right? And so if your child's imagination is impacted because they don't know how to control it in a way that allows them to manage the emotions that come with it, uh, then that can pose quite a problem. And so we're gonna speak about that today. So what are the situations that this is is relevant in, right? Let's make sure that everybody knows what we're talking about here today. So, you know, we've got sensitive kids who we know that thinking about things deeply with lots of details and feeling about things deeply with lots of details can lend to a very creative child who is obviously capable of doing much great good, (laughs) much great good in the world and um and and with the skills to manage their emotions they'd actually be able to make that happen right so highly sensitive people are the doctors theologians uh counselors artists etc in the world and they're only going to be able to to use those skills and be successful at the skills in that profession when when they can manage their emotions right because you can you can be quickly uh, turn into a burnt out artist or a writer or 
um, or just somebody who works in your work profession well, but can't manage a social life or a family life because you're so drained and, and burnt out, right? So fried. So obviously as parents, when we think about raising our children, we want our children to experience a well-rounded life, both in childhood and adolescence, as well as through adulthood. And so one of the things that, that my team and I speak about with our clients consistently is raising a healthy, high-functioning 26-year-old. And that's a phrase that I use often with our clients, because when we think about being able to support your child in fostering their imagination, they need to be able to take what their imagination tells them all about and put it to paper, put it to, into action. Um, but they also need to be able to mitigate that imagination if they're worried uh, thoroughly and they start to create lots of details of what they should be worried about in their minds and in their hearts and they can't uh, manage it. It feels like a snowball rolling down the hill and there is no end in sight, right? So when your child has a rich imagination and you notice that they're able to play with their toys or, or create beautiful stories or tell you all about the, the worlds they've built in their video games, um, you can you can start to notice that as a strength and uh, very well should, right? And uh, the, the challenge that can happen is when your child is worried or nervous or comes across some material that maybe you didn't know was gonna happen, right? So many of you are having your kids go um, to school or schooling your kids in different ways this year. And um, this, this topic is relevant for anytime when when you're not in charge of what your what content your kid takes in right so if your child happens to hear from aunt sally about a car accident or they happen to hear from their health teacher about um, why they should take care of their bodies or they happen to read a story assigned from their english teacher that tells about uh, you know parents who 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 died early or um, an aunt and they learn about um, dysentery and and um you know, and, and how that can impact an entire community, maybe even learning about Balto and, um, and the story that is a heartwarming story about a very persistent dog, but all of the, the uh, death and strife and challenge um, with the illness that, that went rampant throughout that, um, throughout that time. Uh, can can send your highly sensitive child into a tailspin, right? It's very difficult for them to see the lesson and the moral of a story, even factual stories, um, when they are consumed by the negative emotion associated with sadness, loss, fear, frustration, and uh, and worry. And so we see lots of parents who are come to us and and share that they have asked the teacher consistently to 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 um to change the reading assignments for school um we we see parents try to um read all the books ahead of time to see if their kiddo can handle it and and so when we think about that being sustainable for a five-year-old right you can read a um a 20 page or less storybook to make sure that your kids uh, english curriculum is something that they can digest or to prep them for what they're going to be covering and um, in their kindergarten class, that's fine, right? But when your kid gets to third grade and they're expected to read a chapter book in, in a couple of weeks, um, and you have your own work expectations or multiple children, then, um, then that becomes a, a much bigger challenge, right? Pre-reading, pre-observing, pre-watching all uh, media content for your child, and it's exhausting, <laughs> to stay six steps ahead of your kid's worries. 
So we want to speak about the challenges that uh, that you're dealing with and what you need to do to, to, to turn it around, what, what actually works, right? And so we're going to be busting some myths today and I already kind of alluded to one of them, right? And that is uh, around bubble wrapping your child, trying to manage by preventing the challenge in the first place. And I want to speak about that because there's a big difference between preventing the emotional experience by uh, of a meltdown let me make sure I'm, I'm clear that there preventing the the intense emotional experience of a meltdown by taking away all the pa pains and worries and asking for the school curriculum ahead of time and double checking that the teacher knows that your child feels big feelings and uh, preaching and teaching to your your teacher about all of the things that they need to say specifically and 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 then walking on eggshells if the teacher isn't able to meet that need. And um, walking on eggshells, if you don't happen to, to learn about maybe a sub, put a movie on um, because the teacher was out. Or um, they had to change a book last minute because they couldn't get enough copies for all the kids. And, um, and so when I think about the, the challenge that that can create, not only is it, it's not only exhausting, but it's also, um, impossible. <laughs> There's no other way around it. It's impossible to protect your kid from their emotions um, because your child is capable of managing them and you know that. So that then when you send the message of um, to your child that they have to be protected from, from change, from new experiences, from unexpected experiences, uh, then, then you're, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, if you will, with your child, saying, hey, I know you can handle it, and I'm going to make sure that you don't have anything hard to handle. So your child gets that mixed message, and your child's not able to build skills. So we know for sure that bubble wrapping your child isn't a, an effective way to manage big emotions, and it's not an effective way for kids, teens, young adults, etc. Um, we could see parents who come to us who have decided to homeschool their kids because their kids can't manage their big emotions in school and can't manage the content in the, in the classroom as well because of that. So it's not just that their emotions are, are big um, when they're sad and disappointed. It's also that the curriculum is overwhelming for them. And now it's one thing for you as a parent if you've made an empowering choice to homeschool and this is a principal decision, right? Um, but if it's a decision based out of survival, then uh, that's something that you want to be able to, to take a look at. And we want to support you in, in double checking that that's the right fit for your family. So when we think about the challenge um, that highly sensitive kids are posed with when their big emotions take over, especially in that negative emotion and in, in learning and digesting media content, I'm not talking about you know unsupervised social media content. Like obviously, we want as parents to make sure our kids are watching age-appropriate material. Uh, what I'm talking about is having your kid participate in school, having your kid participate in sports and um, and and uh, art activities, after-school curricular activities, without needing to walk on eggshells. That's what we're talking about. Without needing to feel like you have to edit everybody else's contribution to make sure that your kid feels emotionally safe um, when the the non-highly sensitive people or or a general population highly sensitive or not is using um, you know widely accepted um, you know reading material 
uh, visual material, auditory material, radio material, etc., um, that most kids can tolerate, and you feel like your kid can't tolerate it, um, not out of a principled decision based on your family's values, but because you uh, think that your child emotionally can't handle worrying about um, seemingly benign content. And so when we think about that challenge that, that we're really talking about here, um, for you as a parent, it's really important that you don't walk around trying to prevent all of these circumstances where your child is protected from those experiences. Um, because it, it puts your kid in, in a jail, if you will, of needing to feel like you run their life. And that can create a lot of frustration and, and, and comparison issues when your sensitive child compares themselves to other kids. And that creates a cycle where they feel less, um, they feel inadequate and um, incapable of managing their emotions. And they don't feel like you, they can trust that you trust that they can manage their emotions, right? So you can't control where, what, you know, all of, all of what your child consumes and, and enjoys in terms of media and, and reading and, and all that. But what's really more important is that you can't control the way that your child's mind works. Now, don't get me wrong, you can absolutely, as a parent of a highly sensitive child, control the way that your child manages their big emotions. That is absolutely a something that a parent has to learn because for sensitive kids only respond to a change in their parenting environment at, as the highly, highest likelihood of being able to manage their emotions. So that's all of what we teach here at MTC and, and something that you'll hear me say six ways to Sunday and in seven different ways, right? So. It, that's really important to, to notice. And it's also true that your child needs to build those skills for themselves and you are the catalyst for that. So if you've noticed that, uh, but your approach isn't effective, keep, keep listening. So the next thing that I wanna speak about is, is that you know if you can't hide your kid from the world, right? You can't keep them in a locked up closet uh, metaphorically and, and um, you can't um, try to preserve your child's childhood by protecting them from their own emotional experience. Then how do you help your child manage their emotions when their, their mind wanders into the dark depths of, of negative experiences and, and worries, right? Um, it's really important to also avoid not um, uh, also avoid reassuring your child, right? So one thing, one way, one side of the pendulum would be to to just cloak them in supervision and um, and try to edit everything going their way so that you are the the net that catches anything that your kid can't handle. Um, and then the other end of that is saying, you know, no, you know what, you don't need to to worry about it. Everything is fine. This isn't that big of a deal, and um, you know, all of your other friends are able to read this book, so you should be able to do that too. Don't worry about the worries that you're adding to the story that isn't in the story. So, for example, your sensitive child might have a um, a story to read about a firefighter who. Um, was fighting a fire and uh, saved the family from the fire. And um, and then your child notices that that family lost their house or their, their belongings in that house that they lost. And um, your, your child might worry, as any child might be concerned with, uh, highly sensitive or not, what happened to their things? What are they gonna be able to do? How will they be able to, um, you know, to furnish their house again? Will they have to move? 
But your highly sensitive child might might go even further down that path and say, well, who are they going to ask for help? What's going to happen to that family that's helping them? Are they going to have enough money to feed their family if they're feeding somebody else's family? What if they don't get other people that help them? Or what if all other people can only help them for a little bit? Will they have to move different houses before they find a new house or before their house is fixed? How long does that house take to be fixed, right? So I know that I could go on and on because uh, you've heard this story and, and since you're hearing it day in, day out, I won't. Um, but it's also important to notice that if your sensitive child is adding all of those details about the backstory of the story that they're reading, uh, in that moment, it can be a pretty easy urge for you as a parent to say, "Honey, that's not in the story. Let's not like let's not mind ourselves to that. Um, let's not let's not worry about that, right?" And um, that change, that that shift to to redirecting your child to focus on something else, also isn't going to be effective because it puts the your child in a position to ignore their concerns and, and rather than manage them. And um, there's a big difference between being able to sift out what's relevant, what's not relevant in any story for an educational assignment or an artistic assignment, whatever, um, and being able to manage the fact that your child is actually empathetic towards the character in the book and needs to be able to manage that emotion. And that's different than managing the facts of the story and whether or not the facts of the story need to be added with even more misery and worry and, and uncertainty, right? And so all you're doing is focusing on the facts of the story. Hey, sweetheart, like that's not in the story. Don't add more problems for this family to worry about. Um, the narrator of the story or the author of the book didn't didn't add that part in. So we don't need to we don't need to put that two and two together, right? Um, the other piece about that is it doesn't take into account how vivid your child's imagination actually is, right? So highly sensitive kids' big, deep feeling emotions are also compounded by their big, deep, thorough imaginations. And when they don't have the skills to slow down and notice those emotions, no, notice those details mindfully, and notice the, the emotions um, tied to their own bodies on top of the stories that they're reading or the assignments that they're given, um, then that just piles on, right? Not to mention the fact that their friend Sally Sue sat with um, Janie today and, and lunch instead of, um, you know, your kids and, and, and his best friend. And, and now he's worried about Sally Sue not being able to, not being his friend for his best friend. And what are they going to do when they walk to the bus every day? Is she going to um, just run ahead, right? So all those worries that your kid is adding to their plate now are, are, are compounded by the, the reading material of the week, whatever. And, and so when you're telling your kid to not mind it, you're sending the message pervasively that their worries are, are not of concern. Um, and, and that leads to further stuffing of emotions, which is perpetuating that explosion cycle that you're dealing with at home. And so when we think about being able to turn this around, you really need to be able to, to support your child in noticing that their emotions are, are a-okay to have uh, and to playfully teach them how to communicate their emotions in safe and appropriate ways and to process their emotions in safe and appropriate ways. And that's something that you as a parent need to be able to digest. And so when we work with our clients to do this, they've shared with us that um, many times they've worked with other professionals, taken their kid to a therapist, had them sit and, and talk about the issue of the week and um, and then just feel like they're not moving the needle because it's not about the, the component. Um, you know, I, I read a scary story in English class today and or and, and it was really hard for me to deal with. That That's what the therapist is going to hear, right? If, if the therapist is doing any 
sort of talk therapy or even update therapy from the parents. Um, uh, if, the, if your child is, you know, if you take your child to a therapist and they are willing to, to have a conversation to begin with, because we know for sensitive kids that's another factor as to why therapy isn't effective um, for this population because they aren't sharing what's really going on. Um, but that's, that's just the small picture, right? So it's really important to notice that, that, that the, the issue of the week isn't the root cause. And so if you're getting stuck in that uh, by supporting your child and building skills, um, only practicing how to manage their emotions, if you can't catch the school fast enough to tell them that your kid should, should read an alternate story, uh, then that's one, uh, one part of the puzzle that just simply isn't going to, um, isn't going to fit. Uh, in the right spot, right? So when we think about what's also important in this dynamic is to teach your child how to notice their emotions, communicate them safely, and and do that without feeling overwhelmed and, and before they have a meltdown. So this is really important. Many parents um, are dealing with big meltdowns and they can see that uh, their child rides this intensity and um, after the meltdown, they're able to express their emotions, and, and parents can can notice that that can be, uh, or can perceive that that's a good thing. You know, my kid's telling me all of what's going on, um, but but venting and, and getting rageful or having big emotions and um, and and getting quite tearful and or throwing your body on the floor that's a whole out of body out of control moment. And when your child's having that big emotional explosion moment, it's exhausting and it's draining. It's not effective and it doesn't actually um, end the cycle uh, when they talk about their big emotions after that effect, right? It actually just keeps it going. And so it's really important to tease out how is your child communicating their emotions with you? Are they only doing it after their meltdown? And if that's the case, then uh, preventing the meltdowns in the first place is um, is absolutely important, but it's also important to notice how your child is learning how to move the needle of change, how to change their, um, their emotional experience to begin with so that they don't get to the point where they pop off. And, um, and then finally have that pressure cap released so that they feel like that they, they can, you know, they're tired enough, uh, where their anxieties aren't holding them back from telling you what's really going on. Um, uh, that level of exhaustion is a desperation exhaustion that your child is having those moments of, of clarity in. Um, and that is not moving them towards being capable of managing their emotions on their own. Um, so unfortunately, it's really important to notice that this is, this is not um, an appropriate, effective way to see that your child is, is communicating their emotions. So when we think about the challenge that, that many parents can be stuck in is, is in teaching those coping skills, Try, trying to teach your child how to, um, how to notice that they can stop the story going on in their mind um, and then how to do that in a way that's, that's, um, that actually gets your child to do it in the moment. They need to be able to do that by feeling safe and secure in their own emotional experience, by being a-okay with the fact that they're a sensitive kid or, or teen, and then being a-okay with the fact that adults are there to help them. Being able to mitigate and, um, any negative experiences, take breaks from reading stuff that, that are intense, um, topics that are hard, and uh, going back to it 
right? And, and uh, because many children, when posed with the option to ask their teacher to read a different book, are going to shy away from that because the supports that they are um, asked to, to advocate for themselves and to put in place uh, create create a, a fair amount of fear. We have we see a lot of kids where um, that where they don't want to use their the supports that they put in place because um, because that they are feared fear being singled out, right? So many parents will advocate for for their child to read a story in a different place so that they would be okay to cry. Um, but your sensitive child doesn't want to be isolated in their big emotions either, right? So um, those, those skills, those strategies, those approaches don't actually, uh, they're not practical for your kid and they don't feel um, like a, a true solution. So your child needs to be able to manage their big emotions in a way that keeps them in the room, keeps them around people whom they know care about them. And, uh, and that's really important. They need to be able to um, choose how to manage their emotions in the moment rather than feeling like they have to escape the moment in order to finally feel regulated. And when we, we support parents in, in helping their kids learn this skill and, and teach it at home, we see that kids are able to do that in the school and they're able to do that at the in the school uh, even without actual practice. You know, we see many highly sensitive kids start to advocate with their teachers unprovoked. Um, you know, parents who, who didn't actually practice that with their kids, they see their kids being able to, to do that. We had a family celebrate in our our uh, graduate Facebook group the other day that uh, their nine-year-old who was really struggling last fall um, had had at several points in time um, dumped a, a chair in the classroom would have major meltdowns at home with her younger brother um, especially as the target but parents were um, were, were not uh, immune to that and uh, this family down in, in Florida where they live, they were really struggling with the frustration of not knowing how to help her. And um, she, she would, especially with those outbursts at school, it was difficult for her to uh, advocate for her needs because um, it, it was hard for the school to, to find appreciation because when she was angry, uh, she, she lashed out. And so it was tough for her to feel like she could handle whatever it is that was on her um, was on her plate. And so when we worked with them to be able to manage her big emotions, uh, to support herself in advocating for her needs at home and to regulate herself in building skills and to accept the fact that she needed skills, she needed to build them. That whole process allowed her to, in her second day of school, um, when she noticed she felt overwhelmed by all the things that needed to happen and her routine had changed, she wrote her own to-do list. And and this is a kiddo who, um, you know, nine months ago, simply wasn't willing to hear that she had skills she needed to learn. Uh, she wasn't available to hear that and to learn that. So we had to work through the back door of, of playful learning and communicating in an effective way in order for the whole family to, to support this child. And, uh, you know, and like I said, her mom just celebrated that she was able to just write down that list, uh, regulate her emotions, organize all the things that she needed to, to handle that day so that she could go back to, to, to focusing on school and, and focusing on the assignment in hand. Um, and so when we think about kids being able to manage themselves in whatever educational setting that you, you choose or is available to you right now, 
um, it's important to notice that it's not just about the content. It's not just about your kid's imagination. It's also about their stress management skills and what they're capable of. And that has to, to um, be learned through you because your child needs to learn that their thoughts are not facts. Um, and, and that is a skill that is, when taught ineffectively, is quite dismissive, right? Um, your child can learn that the thoughts don't matter. And, and that's certainly not what you want your kid to learn. So when you know that your child needs to not only advocate, but also set appropriate boundaries and not let that emotion bubble, bubble, bubble till it pops, um, it's really important to, to notice that your child also needs to be able to appreciate their imagination and honor it. And, and to do that in a way that is um, respectful to themselves, uh, that appreciates and, and, um, and, and ha they have an outlet to get creative so that they can feel like they can rein it in. Um, and that, that has to be taught playfully. It has to be taught playfully. Um, children play is the learning of children, the language of children, and uh, it is the, the forefront way for children to learn and uh, for humans to learn. We learn much better when we're playing um, as well as adults, but we, we tend to forget that or push through. Um, with that being said, when we teach our, our clients and, and our clients teach their kids how to playfully communicate, um, it is so much more effective at, um, at managing big emotions and children feel way more capable and they actually demonstrate spontaneous advocacy for their own needs. So much less mitigation happening, um, you know, prevention strategies are, are important when you think about parenting a kid uh, with big emotions, certainly that, that parent pair is, is managing uh, their child's emotions and trying not to add um, to, the, to the patterns so that they stay in the, the spot that they're in where their child's managing her big emotions safely. And it's also true that she had, uh, their nine-year-old had to build some skills and she needs to learn how to, to prevent her big emotions as well um, so that her big behaviors um, don't show up. And, uh, and that's something that, that with practice it maintains itself. And, um, and I, I spoke about big emotions in the sense that she's preventing some of them. Um, and I'm, I'm serious about that because a child can, and a highly sensitive child doesn't have to experience all of their emotions as big. Um, you know, we know a lot of highly sensitive adults because we work with highly sensitive adults. Um, you know, we, we are a parent coach program here. And, and so we work with all sorts of adults and, and many of them are highly sensitive. And when we think about the big deal that some of these big emotions um, are, are uh, contributing for, for parents, that overwhelm, that intensity. Uh, when you learn skills as an adult, you're, as a highly sensitive adult, it also becomes less of a big deal. Doesn't mean you're gonna um, not be highly sensitive. That's not what I'm talking about. When you know how to manage your big emotions, you can feel overwhelmed by them much less frequently. Um, and so I, I, I speak that because we've been helping hundreds of families at this point through the coaching company manage and, and learn those skills. So this is not something that I am speaking purely by speculation, uh, nor is it something that I, I am only speaking out of personal experience. So as a non-highly sensitive uh, coach person uh, leading highly sensitive people and non-highly sensitive people alike, we see our, our clients be able to mitigate and build systems and supports in their lives that work for them. And they feel more empowered and being able to do that. And so if you as a parent want to be able to, to 
um, empower your child to manage their big imaginations, to feel totally free from um, the, the, the spinning hamster wheel of worrying when imagination runs wild um, down the wrong rabbit hole. Um, you know, in, in terms of it, it feeling unsafe and, and um, not wrong because I'm judging the, the big emotion, but, but wrong because they don't, your child doesn't want it to go all the way down that intense rabbit hole that, that worries the thoughts that go with the emotion. Um, then, then I encourage you to book a call, have a conversation with our team, go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk, and we will have a conversation about where you're stuck, where you're frustrated in terms of supporting your sensitive child, what you've already tried. And if we're the ones to help you, we'll tell you exactly how that works and we'll break it down and we'll get you started on that path. And if we think that something that's going to be more efficient or effective is going to work better for you, then we'll tell you what that is. You know, there's so many parents that we talk to that we refer to a more, um, you know, more local resource or uh, we find that you're on the right track and we send you resources that you need yourself. Um, and, and so if that's the case, then we do that. But if, uh, if we feel like you need professional support at that time, then we, then we tell you all about it. Um, it's, it's also important to notice that if we're working with you and your teen, you want to go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk, and we'll have a conversation with both your teen and you. Uh, if your teen feels like their imagination runs wild and, and they don't have the ability to let it run free, <laughs> uh, they don't feel like they have that sense of self-control, then we would want to support your teen and you in, in building those skills to do that. And we would talk about that if we're a good fit. Otherwise, same thing get you hooked up with resources or, or find a path that's going to be the best fit for your family. So again, we look forward to having a conversation with you and, and discussing how to break out of this cycle. And uh, we support you in booking that call. Go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk or meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash teen talk. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S-T-E-P-S meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.